Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters, and we are very excited to be joined today by a uh, now returning guest of the program. Friend of the program. program, Another Craig, (laughs) Craig Button. Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure to join you. But uh, to watch the state of relaxation that the three of you are in, <laughs> the only thing that I would be more jealous of is if you were doing it by the pool or something. <laughs> True, we should do that. Right, yeah. Next time you're Next on, Craig, we'll arrange that. There you go. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming back. For those who are unfamiliar, Craig Button is the TSN director of scouting, a former NHL executive and scout. And with the NHL draft fast approaching, we're talking all about draft and prospects, so we're going to ask some questions for Craig, who's who knows it all. So, Yeah, we're going to load you up here today, Craig, so <laughs> I, I think I sent you the script. I, I didn't mean for this to be a three-hour show, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it Buckle goes. Buckle up, Craig. Here we go. Well, I, I can give short answers, Craig. <laughs> I, I, I need the show to be shorter, but you know, it's, a, it's a fun time of the year because, you know, as more teams are eliminated from the playoffs, you know, they focus in on the draft and the draft is about the future, right? So when you, when you get looking to the future, it's always done with uh, optimism. And and that's what the draft is about. And all these young players that are, uh, you know, trying to vie to show that they're the player that a team wants. It's a lot of fun to watch it not only play out over the course of the year, but to see how it plays out on draft days. Yeah, no question. A, a dream for all of these kids. It's it's important to remember that when you're covering the draft, too. This is, this is the biggest day of their lives to that point. Yeah. I want to start with an event that's coming up because it's it's kind of the last chance to really get a sense of guys games, bodies, personalities before you have to build that list. At least I think it's the last sentence. So we'll ask you about that too. But the scouting combine begins on Sunday. In your opinion, what's the value of this event for scouts, managers, executives who basically scouted these players all year? Is it all about those one-on-one interviews and actually being able to pull out the tape measure and make sure they're as tall as they say they are? Or can you actually learn other things about the on-ice player or other aspects, Greg? Well, I think there's multiple positives about this. 
I'm going to start with the with the player part of it. You know, you know, you you get full medicals on the players that attend the combine, and it's really important. You know, as the players, you know, whether they've had injuries or they have something that they're not aware of. So to go through that medical process is something that's really significant. And the example I always use is David Carl, who the head coach of the NCAA uh, champion Denver Pioneers was going to be a high draft pick in the NHL draft. And at the combine, they detected an irregular heart that prevented him from carrying on his hockey career. Wow. So mm. the fact that they have that for all the players and if you can, you know, make players aware of something that they may not be aware of is certainly really significant. And I, I don't think you can ever, uh, you know, underscore the importance of that enough. Number two, you know, it, it serves as a benchmarking process with the with the tape measure, Craig, and, and, and everything you're at. You know, NFL teams now are, are you know, their, their physio, physiology departments are coming in. They're looking at what can be developed physiologically. A big part of the NHL draft is projection. So what you want to do is, is give yourself more opportunity to project accurately. Yeah, it's never going to be an exact science, but, you know, bringing more science into it, you know, gives the NHL teams a little greater confidence because it's one thing to say, I think his skating can improve more than this player, but now the physiology might say, this player has a better chance to improve his skating than that player. So I think that through a confidence level of, of who you're going to select, it helps. Yeah. Now we go to the teams and the, you have your whole group together. So, and, you know, you have an opportunity to spend time talking, refining your list, moving your Teams aren't moving their list in any significant way based on the combo. What they're okay. doing is trying to get comfortable with the grouping of players that they're considering at, at the points in the draft where that, the, those players may fit in. So the opportunity to, to, to meet with a lot of players, I mean, I mean, that's beneficial. But the teams know where they're picking and they have their group kind of identified. So they zero in a little bit more with that, with that group of players during the interviews. Like a team picking seven, okay, let's just say they want to meet with Shane Wright. If there's no chance to get seven, but the, the, the group of players that they might be looking at at seven might be three or four. Now they can say, well, we're going to ask different questions. We're going to be a little bit more pointed, or we're going to ask about think something about, uh, you know, the player they'd like him to, to, to talk about, whether it be his game or something that they have a concern about and hear what he has to say about it. I think that that's where they zero in. And, and, then, and then after that, it builds from, you know, who do we want to spend more time with? Because you are not you can't go and test the players uh, after the combine, but you can go and meet with the players. And I think that, you know, you get the opportunity now after meeting them briefly to zero in on that group and say, okay, we want to spend more time here with this player to give ourselves the confidence and, and everything that goes But one of the things about the combine that I find interesting, and you look at the NFL combine, where it's very, maybe it's a very extensive on the field of play that they're actually performing their sport in. Where hockey, you don't get these kids out on the ice. You're, you're getting them in gym setting and more, I guess, more one on one psychological stuff. Do you ever see this evolving where we're looking at players on the ice that we're doing on ice testing for this for this part of, of the draft preparation? 
You know, Steve, what I say is, is that I know that that's been discussed. You know, you have, you have a lot of, you know, players coming from different areas. What You can do the on-ice skating speed, right? But the, the physiology uh, will, will tell you that if you evaluate their, their speed and running, the power, explosiveness, you, you, you can understand where there's an opportunity to develop, uh, you know, the areas that they're skating. I, I, the speed on the ice is one thing. But you got to keep in mind, we're dealing with 17 and 18 year old players. That speed has to be so much better. The NFL, because you're, you're you're looking at a combine where you're bringing the players right into your lineup, like you know, a few months after the NFL draft, it's very different. Like you know, they're way more physically developed. The speed that they have at that point in time is very different than these players being measured for their speed. So, what what what? It, would it be a benefit? I think it definitely would, and that's why there's conversations. I think we have to ask ourselves, like, how much is, is the value in that? And, and again, some players haven't played. Some players have. You know, some players are coming off of uh, just finishing. Some players are a few months from playing. So trying to factor that all in has been one of the challenges as they discuss this. But, again, you're, you're – this is a benchmarking for how much a player can, can, can progress. The NFL combine is really an assessment of where's that player right now? Because a player that's slow at 22, he's going to be slow at 23 and 24 and 25. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? So, yeah. you know, when a player at 17, he might not be as fast, but you start to look at the body and start to say hey, he can develop in that area. And, and, and I think that that's where the difference lay. So after the combine, there's, you know, just over a month until the NHL draft. So what's happening in that month? Is there any more evaluation or at that point are the team's list pretty much set in stone? I don't think they're set in stone, Liam. I think that, you know, again, you're, you're working within a, within a, what I call a sliding range. So again, I'm just going to say team picking seven. They don't know who they're picking. They have no idea who they're picking. They have an idea of the players they would like to pick. They have an idea of the group that they're looking at. And then ultimately they have to make a decision at seven based on what's happened in front of them. But what I would say after the combine is now you have a new set of data, a new set of information to consider. You've spent time with the players. Maybe it might be a short period of time. Maybe you followed it up and spent more time. You have the physiology part of it. And so now this, this other information comes in. And, and what I would say is, is, is you're refining your list. If you're redefining your list based on the combine, you, you're making mistakes. What you want to do is say, okay, we thought this player might be a little bit better in, in, in his ability to improve his skating. Based on what we know now, based on the combine and the data we've obtained, we push that player uh, maybe not out of the group, but he's not a consideration at seven. Now, he might become a consideration at 18 if you have an extra pick. And certainly, the Coyotes have a number of first round picks and second round picks. You're not just, but at different points, you're trying to refine that list, trying to say, okay, at seven, if these are the guys here, it's one, two, three. It's not so much about obvious that we're taking this guy every player can offer something different but most a lot of players are in different positions it's about saying this is the guy we're confident with so that's where i use the word refinement but it, 
you have you have a new set of data and a new set of information to to work on that list. And and, and again, I, I call it an exercise in building your confidence level with the player you want to select and ultimately select. And I I think you build on that after the comp. Craig, uh, the World Championship is going on right now. We've reached the final eight teams. I'm guessing you've been watching as much as you possibly can. Has it impacted your opinion of players either positively or negatively? Is there someone that's risen in your eyes or fallen in your eyes based on their performance at this tournament so far? Well, what I would say is, is it reaffirms. It, let's go back to the 2016 draft. And Austin Matthews, and Patrick Laine both played at the World Championships that year. And uh, Patrick Laine was fantastic. But he'd been fantastic the, the whole season. And, you know, coming out of that World Championships, all of a sudden the conversation started to, uh, you know, involve, well, maybe Patrick Laine is the best player in this draft. Well, you know, I don't think there was any time before the World Championships that you didn't consider Patrick Laine as a top player. But just because a player has a great world championships or a great event, wherever it is, I think you got to be looking at it over a period of time. I, for, you, you watch Uri Sothcock. Yeah. He's a really good player. If it, like, and I think that you're always trying to evaluate, okay, how does he fit this player? What's his projection? How does it translate to the NHL? And, and I think that all he continues to do is show you that he's a player it's going to be a really good NHL player. Now you got to assess that against player Shane Wright with uh, the Kingston in the OHL, who's not playing anymore. Logan Cooley, who just came from the uh, uh, U18. Kemmel, who came from the U18, is not playing anymore. And and you know maybe Neiman, who is playing the World Championship for Slovakia. You're still evaluating. Okay, who has the greater upside, what fits your team, what type of player you want, and go from there. Unless your name's Connor McDavid, <laughs> it's not as clear as everybody thinks, although, you know, we talk about the first overall pick, and, and the reason I go back to Austin Matthews, there's no question that Austin Matthews was the best player in, in, in most people's minds. There's no question now who the best player in that draft was, but this is what happens with draft. When yes. it's not clearly defined. Yeah. And as much as I may think it's defined, or somebody else may think it's defined, you know, there's still the opportunity to discuss and debate and, and, and consider that there that there might be different players that could fit into that area of the draft. But um, the World Championships, I think you have to understand that it's just another opportunity to evaluate the abilities and talents of the players. And Try to project that out to the NHL. It replicates the NHL to a greater extent than the junior leagues. But again, everything is about what I call over a period of time and watching it. They they, they reaffirm my thought that these are real top end kids. I talk about stuff, talk emits. I want. I'm glad you brought up that point uh, a little a bit ago about differing opinions of the number one pick, unless it's unless it's obvious, like someone like Connor McDavid. Because one of the things that I've seen as a media member covering the draft all, over so many years is we get to this point in the year, and I think some analysts or media members start trying to convince themselves that the number one pick isn't going to be the guy that we've said it's going to be all year. I've seen this recent narrative 
that Shane Wright is dropping. I've had some people suggest to me they don't even think he's going to go in the top two now. I wanted to ask you about that. Is that real or is that just a, a media-driven thing or one of these crazy things that happen so close to the draft that may not be grounded in reality? Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that uh, at TSM, Bob McKenzie, before the draft lottery, he did a he did a poll, and I think he talked to nine scouting directors. And the poll was is that Shane Wright was still number one with six, and I think this Slavkovsky had two, and Cooley had had one, if I remember correctly. Well, you know, okay, so you get a divergence of opinion, and it's not unanimous. And I mean, I could understand that, but but now once you know that the Montreal Canadiens uh, are picking first. No one scouts that matter the Montreal Canadiens scouts. Yeah. And so I, we can sit here, Greg, and we can talk about, oh, should you consider Slavkovsky? Should you consider Logan Cooley? I don't think there's anything wrong with the, with, with the conversation. But when we start to evaluate and, and say that, like, oh, because Slavkovsky's having a third world championship now, he's the, he, he's the better player to go first. I'm just picking him out. I think you're making a mistake because it's not about one tournament and it yeah. never should be about one tournament. And the reason I bring up Austin Matthews and Patrick Line, the same exact conversation happened. The same exact conversation happened. Even early into the next year, you know, Line had a fantastic start to his NFL career. So did Austin Matthews. The debate was going on. Wow, maybe Line should have been the first pick. And I think that that speaks to how good both of the players were. Ultimately, there's only one team that gets to select in any particular slot, whether it's one or two or three, and they're the only ones that matter. And I can guarantee you, I, I say this to Bob McKenzie, how many of those scouts, and he, didn't, he doesn't answer me, but I would <laughs> like to know how many of those scouts are picking in the top five. Because any scout offering an opinion that's not picking in the top five, I throw it doesn't yeah. matter. Doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's a okay. good point. I want to ask you about Logan Cooley. Um, right now, he's listed by Central Scouting at five ten. He told Craig that he's five eleven, but <laughs> you know, regardless, under six feet is his size a concern at all? Especially if he does um, go with the Coyotes, is and for to be hit the Coyotes' number one center, is his size a concern at all? You, you know, it's funny. The I don't know if you've ever heard me use the line. I don't scout with a tape measure. Uh, you know, when I watch Logan Cooley play, I, I never go and go, geez, he's 5'10". Oh, boy. Is that height going to be a problem? I, I see this fantastic state, fantastic imagination and creativity, great hand. I think he's got 360-degree awareness. He makes everybody around him better. He's a competitor. And I never leave a game going, oh, he's only 5'10". You know, everything being equal. You'll, you're going to take the bigger player over the smaller. That's just everything being equal. Here's the challenge. Rarely, rarely is everything equal. So yeah. <laughs> you better get down to the skill. And you, you consider, okay, what does it mean? But when I watch them play, and the game now is not about trying to, you know, bull your way, like through through, through hooking and clutching and grabbing, where, where size, you know, what was a factor? It's about being quick and fast and operating in small pace because nobody can hold you up. And so for me, when I watch Logan Cooley, 
I, I, I see a top-notch player, and quite frankly, I see him as a clear-cut number one center. Awesome. Yeah, and that's and that I know what the Coyotes fans want to hear because they're picking at three. I, I've seen your most recent list, and let's say your top four players right now are all forwards. Can you give us a little insight into Craig Button's top three so Coyotes fans can go, good grief, we might get one of these three players. Can you give us an insight into your top three today? Well, well my top three are, and, and, and you know what, top three, like, like I, I would say it's probably top four, and you, depending on what you want. So to me, Shane Wright is, is, is the best player. And I've said this often, he reminds me so much of Patrice Bergeron. And, and I asked the question, I did my own poll, Steve. Yeah. I asked the poll, I said, who doesn't want Patrice Bergeron? Put up their hand. Well, <laughs> nobody's hand went out. Yeah. And, and so, so when I see, like, I know what type of player he is. He, he, he's not this Nathan McKinnon or Connor McDavid type. But Patrice Bergeron going to the Hall of Fame. Ray Ferraro, I was laughing last night when he was talking about uh, Sebastian Ajo during the Ranger Carolina game. And Sebastian Ajo hasn't, hasn't had, I don't know if he got a point last night on the goal, but he hadn't had a point on the road in the playoffs. And, you know, the point was made. And then Ray said, yeah, but when you're playing against Patrice Bergeron, he can kill all your offense. And, you know, that's that's his game. And he's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so when I watch Shane play, that's the player I've always seen him as. I've never seen him as anything but that. And and I think that Patrice is a terrific player. Logan Cooley, ironically, I think is like Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, just to kind of carry it forward. It's just Sebastian, like Logan, or Logan, like Sebastian, is dynamic, creative, and I think they're only going to get better with physical maturity. You got Uri Slavkovsky, who's a left winger and a, and, and a bull. He, he's powerfully strong. Going back to the draft here, he reminds me a lot of Pierre-Luc Dubois. That ability to push his way into the hard areas. I know Columbus has pushed him into the middle of the ice after drafting him. And that, that's where he plays now in Winnipeg. But as a left winger, you know, he was such a strong player. And now you have, for me, Joachim Kemmel, who, when I watch him play, reminds me of Philip Forsberg of the National Predator. So, you know, okay, so I've just mentioned, I've just mentioned yeah. Patrice Bergeron, Sebastian Ajo, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, and Philip Forsberg. Like, they're all, like, really, really top-notch NHL players. So it's easy to say, take this guy over that guy. They're all good. They're all good. Yeah. So make your choice. How does it fit? The reason I go back to Cooley and, uh, you know, Leah, they drafted Dylan Gunther last year. Dylan Gunther's a first-line right here. And I think you put a centerman like Cooley there, oh, boy. Now, now you're starting to build a, a oh, top boy. number one line that can work together and be dynamic offensively. You, you know, Stavkowski is a big winger. He would fit. Kemmel, I, I really like this game. But yeah, Gunther. And if you don't have centers, you're going to have a tough time being able to take advantage of the skilled winners. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been talking about that for 20 years here, Craig. <laughs> uh, Craig, you just excited every hockey fan in the Valley, and the word we've used over and over again now for the last year is hope. Yeah. And we've got Dylan Gunther tearing it up right now, and to think putting him with another fast, dynamic, skilled player, 
Oh, good grief. Exciting. I hope I'm just around to see it. I guess that's our segue <laughs> to the Coyotes. So you know the situation with the Coyotes. They're going to have three first-round picks, including number three. They're going to have seven in the first 45. What do you think they can accomplish? If, if you're looking at, at this through an executive's eyes, how are you looking at taking seven picks in the top 45? What's your strategy? And then, of course, Craig, we're going to ask you the money question. Who do you think is going number three to the Coyotes? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to answer the money question. <laughs> I accept e-transfers, Craig. <laughs> uh, what I would say to you, too, is, is this. You know, in, in the course of a draft, you know, when you have one pick in the first round and one pick in the second round, you know, you're zeroing in on a group of players. And, and it, it's not clearly defined. There, there's, there's usually three or four players you like in that group wherever you're picking. First round. I'm not talking first overall or second, but in, but you're picking. You're looking at a group of players, three or four, and and you got to make a decision on, on on those guys. And and the arguments, the discussions, the debates back and forth and go on are, 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 are continuing. Oh, we want this guy. What about this guy? We want that guy. No, I want this guy. And they're all good. But if you if now you have multiple picks though, you you now say. Well, we're going to get a crack at a lot of the players we like if, if you group it. You know, the, the Coyotes aren't going to have a list of 45. They're going to have a, 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 a grouping of players, you know, obviously the, 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 the first group at three, and then they're going to have their group with the next pick and, then, and the group with the next pick in the second round. You know, that's 13 of the first uh, – that's uh, four of the first 14 picks. Uh, four of the first 13 picks in the second round. Yeah. So – Craig, you want player A, so oh, well, we'll take him here. Pretty much you're going to get one of the group that was in that, that, that you got, so Leah's going to get her picket with, with another second-round pick, and then Steve's going to get another player there. <laughs> Honestly, as Bill Armstrong, who's worked in scouting, it, it, it's a manager and scout's dream not to have to have all these – because everybody can get everything. You, you, you don't have to say, well, I'm picking this, and I'm going to have to give up that. You, you can essentially leave with – with just about everything you want. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to get exactly the players, but the group of players you're looking at, you're going to be able to get. And you know, and, and that becomes guaranteed. You'll hear it because you hear it every draft. They're going to draft somebody at whatever and with their second pick in the second round, and they're going to say, well, that's a guy we had rated in our top 20. Right, that, right. That, that's just the way it goes. And, and that's why lists are so different and, and interesting. And that's why you get that comment because of the way they rate players. So I, I think for the Arizona Coyotes, and, and this is more for Steve. Like, I, I know he's hopeful to see the future play out <laughs> sooner rather than later. I, I, I think they're in a good place. I, I think that Coyotes are in a good place. And this draft is going to give them an opportunity to, to keep building it up. And, and when you get the different types of players you're going to look at at different points of the draft, it, to me, it, it should be an exciting time for not only the Coyotes uh, organization, but for the fan base. Because these are opportunities that don't come along very often. And obviously, you've got to, you've got to make good on them. But I, I, I think that you're unreal. You're not being realistic if you think all seven are going to play and contribute, but at the very least, they should get five players of varying contributions out of, the, of those first 45 picks, in my view. That's so great to hear. Yeah. And don't forget about that second question. Who do you think the Coyotes <laughs> are going right. to take third overall? <laughs> in well, your uh, estimation. Uh, uh, have you received the transfer? 
I, Has the transfer I, I gone through? And you don't? I'll tell you why. I think Shea Wright, the centerman, going to Montreal, sitting behind Suzuki. You know, I look at the New Jersey Devils. You know, they have Jack Hughes and Nico Hischer up the middle of the ice. You know, why are you going to add Logan Cooley? As good as he is, why are you going to add him behind those two guys? You have those two guys signed long-term. They drafted Alexander Holtz a couple of years. They got Dawson Mercer. They got Jesper Bratt, who's a smaller player. To me, Uri Slavkovsky absolutely fits what you're looking for in a type of player. And I don't think you can look at the NHL draft as best fit. It's just that in that group of players, what they're trying to build out, watching him play at a higher level, closer to the NHL, I think for what they're trying to do, a left winger with that type of size and power that can go around those two really good centermen, Hisher and Hughes, I think it sets them up really nicely, which allows Logan Cooley to sit there at three for the Coyotes. And again, I just went through Kemmel, and I just think you drafted Gunther last year. You don't get the center. You, you know what? You're not maximizing Gunther. And I think yep. that's where that's where, that's where where Logan Cooley fits in. Leah, the other part of this, too, that I would add is that, you know, with the other pits, there's other wingers, you know, deeper into the draft that they can take. There's there's other defensemen that they can take at other points in the, in the, in after three with the other six picks, which to me puts them in the position to really take that top-notch centerman that Logan Cooley is, in my opinion. All right, we're going to finish up here with... Uh, Petey's going to throw a bunch of names at you, Staccato. You don't have to go super detailed on these, but give us your thoughts. Um, Petey's, Petey's got it all lined up here. Yeah, so. but we want to talk centermen because we've been talking yeah. about centermen all along and we talked about Lowen Cooley. I'm going to throw a few other centermen names that have been rumored towards the top of the draft and some Perfect. may fall to 30 or 32, but we're going to start in Winnipeg with Matthew Savoy. Can you tell us a little bit more about his game? He's, he's a really, he really skilled centerman. I don't think he's going to be a center in the NHL. I think mm. he's going to have to be a winger. Uh, you know, to, I, I think his speed is best utilized on the wing. I think that he can uh, open up and, you know, get the puck on the move. He, he, he takes it to the net. He knows how to he, – and, you know, he reminds me in lowercase type of play. He reminds me of Phil Castle and the way he approaches the game. Now, Phil Castle has been a top player in the NHL. I'm not saying he's Phil Castle, but that style of game, you know, when Phil gets the puck and now he goes to the net and he can snap it, that's what I see. That's what I see Matthew Savoy. And I, Steve, I, I don't see him as a center in the NHL. Okay. And, I, and I'll say this, and I, and I don't want it to be NHL teams aren't looking for five foot nine centermen. Yeah. They simply aren't. Well, that brings up the next name. We're going to stay at a smaller stature centerman in Sudbury in the OHL and David Goyette, another guy listed at 5'9, five, 5'10 five, up the middle of the ice. Well, well my comparable for David Goyette has been Toivo Teravina. And, you know, he plays left wing at times. He, he's been a really good center. I think he's got a magnificent brain. He's got that ability to be elusive. And, you know, I, I do know this. He's closer to 5'11 now and quicker and, and, and really great brain in the playmaking that's there. And I think on a Sudbury team where he had to be the go-to guy, he, he was such a strong player. And what, what I've seen with with David is just a steady improvement over the course of the year, meeting every single challenge along the way, and really, really have a lot of time for David Goyette. Okay, last one up the middle. A little bit bigger. I'm going to go to Chechia, 
and go to Yuri Kulik. I hope it's not Kulich, but I'm saying Kulik. Mm-hmm. Six foot tall, a little bit bigger center iceman. Now, is he actually going to play center? The last two I said center, you've got projected on the wings. Is this guy going to play in the middle? And will he be a guy that maybe be there late in the first round? Well, Steve, he is a winger. It's like Yuri Kulich oh. is a winger. See, there you go. I, that's, <laughs> and that's why you do the draft and, and, prospects, and I sit here and talk on a microphone. Yeah, no, no, but, but he, he and he's a really good. I mean, he's a really good player. Smart, shoots the puck, can play in a lot of different areas of your team. You start looking at left wingers like him, like so. I start to think about the building out of a team, and with these seven picks, you you have gone through. Let's say they go Cooley at three. You know, I start to look at a guy like Yuri Kulich. I start to look at a guy like Cutter Gauthier or Jimmy Snuggerud. Or, and I'm just mentioning a couple of bigger wingers <laughs> yep. that can fit in. And now you're building out a team. That's where my thinking takes yeah. me with yes. respect to, you know, a, a player like Yuri. Because I just I, I just see such a strong player in, in, in his play and in his ability to impact the game in so, so many significant ways. Like Patrick Eliash has been... Retired for a number of years. Mm. Patrick Eliash was a fantastic player for the New Jersey Devils. And that's that's the type of player I think Coolidge is. If you can be anywhere near as good as Patrick Eliash, you, mm-hmm. you're, it's a you're, win. Now, you're, you're yeah. now on the borderline of Hall of Fame discussion. I don't think Patrick is a Hall of Famer, but he's on the borderline of the discussion. If he can come anywhere near close to that, you've got yourself a good player. All right, we got four names left for you. You just mentioned one of them, one of my favorite names in the draft alone, <laughs> Jimmy Snugger. Talk a little bit about him. I love it. So Jimmy and Cutter, Gautier. Cutter, yeah, Gautier. And yeah, yeah. to me, the two of them, I, I, the most improvement I've seen out of players this from last year to this year was those two players. You know, at, at the U-17 program with the National Team Development Program, I was really, really uh, so impressed at their improvements from last year to this year. And last year, the U18 team that played in Dallas, Texas at at the U18 championship had seven of those 2004-born players on their team, including Logan Cooley, Isaac Howard, Rector McGrory, right? They they all played on that team. And Cutter Gauthier and Jimmy Snuggerud didn't because they, they, they weren't capable last year. But to watch them play this year and to see how much they've improved, just a massive, massive impression that they left, not just on me, but on so many others. The, the, Jimmy can shoot the puck. He can make plays. He, he, he's hard on the puck. He's got size. He drives the net. smart. And you know what? Like, I, I, I'll be straightforward with you. In, in my view, if Cutter Goche and Jimmy Snuggerud aren't top 10 picks, then why? I, I'll be shocked. Okay. Wow. I just see them. I just see them as prototypical, really good top wing, uh, top NHL wingers. That's Again, how that's, good I think they are. That's more excitement. I, I like. I like to see an. I'm. I'm an American, so I'll. I like to see American kids get. Yeah. Get that kind of love. So that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah we'll, yeah, we'll talk well, about Craig, that. I'll oh. tell you this: the national team development program. They could have seven <clears throat> first rounders right. on that team. Wow. Like it's it's an impressive group of players. So awesome. uh, you're going to get a lot of opportunity uh, to cheer for the selection of, of the players from that team, and deservedly so. I mean, you know, 
you, you look at Brian Kessley, you look at Isaac Howard, look at Frankie Nazar. I, I mentioned Rutger McGrory. You know, these are all really, really good players. All right, I'm going to throw one more name at you and leave the two hardest names to pronounce for somebody else. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Danilo Yurov in the KHL. Your thoughts? I think I think he's a terrific, well-rounded player. And, you know, I, I, I compare him to former Coyote Marion Hosa. You know, obviously Marion's a Hall of Famer, right? But like to me, what I'm describing with 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 Uroff is is that complete all-around game. He he can kill penalties, he can play a power game, he can play a skill game on the power play, he can make play, he can score goals, he can play a fast game, he can play a detailed game. The, the interesting thing with Uroff now is there's no question in my mind how good he is. The question now becomes, you know, being from Russia, what yeah. does that mean? Where are teams at with respect to, uh, you know, their willingness to draft a Russian? I'll, I'll go back to the, to the late 80s, early 90s, when, when the Russians were, were beginning to get drafted. You know, Fedorov went in the fourth round. Bure went in the sixth round. Daniil Yurov's going to get drafted in the first round. Is he going to get drafted as high as maybe I think he should be or, or others think he should be? I don't know that. But I know wherever he gets drafted, somebody's going to get a really good player. And you come to a point in the draft. Think about Evgeny Kuznetsov. And George mm-hmm. McPhee has told me this. They drafted him, I believe, at 25. There was a lot of things. He had a contract in the, in the KHL. He was going to stay for three more years or whatever it was. And George just said, wait a second here. This guy's too skilled. He's too good. You know what? The bottom line is, is that when you look at a player like that, with that type of ability, there comes a point in time when you just you, you just say, we have to take him. Well, I'm going to keep it in Russia. And this will be the last name because you've helped us out tremendously today. Try to understand this draft. I'm going to go to a name that a year ago was very, very high on the list and had some major life-altering health issues. We're going to go to Ivan Mirosnichenko. And where does he stand on the draft board right now today? So, so obviously, we go back to the combine, right? Like, and the Russians aren't coming to the combine, but you're going to work with the agent to try to get as much medical information on Ivan as you possibly can. Because what, what, what I call him, Steve, is, is a hungry goal scorer. He, he's a player that gets inside the dots hard. He gets into that inner slot and slot area, and he's got not only the determination and kind of that bulldog scoring attitude, he, he, he's got a real understanding of how to get open, when to get open, and, and he can score in multiple ways because it's not just driving the puck to the net. He he he, he can he can use a, a deft touch. He can use a, a real drive of a shot. You know he he can beat you from thirty five feet because he's got such a, a good shot, a good accurate shot. But but his hunger, his his drive to score is really significant. Like so, him and Yurov fall into two different categories. Yurov, just because of, of of where he is and what it means to draft a Russian player, you know, there's a lot of different things outside of of the on ice. You know, visas. Like, how do you get a visa now? Like, like I don't know what the process is. I don't know what the U.S. government is looking at with respect to giving visas to Russians. I don't know. So those are things NHL teams are going to be looking at. 
But then you go to the next part with, with Marash Pachenko, and you're trying to understand the medical. But as a player, he, he's a really, really good player. And, and I would have to say that he's a player that's going to have to, if, if you're just looking at it based on talent and you're looking at skill level, he, he's a top 15 pick in my view. Mm. One of the things that's happened, and, you know, we talk about last year. So last year, you're looking at a young player that had clearly demonstrated he had NHL potential. But as I just talked now about Jimmy Snuggerud and Cutter Gauthier and others, you know, you're, you, you watch them and you know that they, you, they're prospects. But you don't know how good they are yet. And, you know, that's why you watch over time and you try to consider, okay, other players might fall into the group. Like, you, you, Marash Pachenko was really good, but we didn't know how good Snuggerud or, or, or Goche were going to be. And, and they're not the only ones. So you continue to watch, you continue to evaluate. But it doesn't, for me, diminish the type of player uh, Ivan is. You just have to understand, you know, what does the medical report tell you? I, I can't imagine he's not going to be drafted. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to suggest, but he, if he did drop into that range of, of uh, the, the, uh, the five or the four second round picks that the Cowboys have, and they're satisfied on the medical, I, I would have to believe that yeah. know, with those four picks, you're saying we're going to draft that kid if you're satisfied on the medical. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Craig, we can't thank you enough for joining us and being so generous with your time. Every time we talk to you, it's, I, I walk away with so much hope mm. and excitement yeah. um, to be a Coyotes fan. So we appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. Thanks for, thanks for asking me to be part of it. I always enjoy the chats. And, you know, one thing, too, and I think it's important to emphasize is that when I talk about comparable fights, I'm talking about the style of game a player plays. I'm not I'm not trying to say that somebody's going to be Bastion or somebody's going to be Mary Costa or what. I'm just saying that's the type of game they play. If, yeah. if those players that I describe become anywhere near the players I say have similar type game, well, then those are just absolute home runs. And everybody's trying to hit a home run come the draft. And certainly, you know, I'm just trying to give a glimpse of, 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 of the type of game a player has with players that are in the NHL or players that have played in the NHL. I, and I also want to say thank you, too, because and I, I apologize for butchering some of these names and their pronunciations. But in fairness, these players are yet to be household names and they will be someday. And we'll look back at this show and they go, God, you mispronounced that guy's name like you didn't even know him. <laughs> and so we really right. honestly, sincerely appreciate it because we just don't have the, the, the skill level or knowledge or time to go through and learn about all of these people. So we're glad someone like yourself, Craig, does take the time. So we, we can't thank you enough for for bringing Arizona hockey fans into the know on what's going to happen in this year's draft. Yeah. Happy to share that with you. And, you know, I work with Gordon Miller, who does a fantastic job of play-by-play. -play. And so I, I always get the uh, the tutorial on the pronunciation of the names. And one of the things that we really try to do yeah. is sometimes, Steve, I'll be honest with you, sometimes we might not say it totally accurately, but we just say, let's say it exactly the same. Yeah. So <laughs> That's if it's it. wrong, at least we're both saying it wrong. The same. <laughs> That's exactly. great. All right, Craig. All right, Craig. Well, the truth is the Cabana Boy is here with our lunch right now, yeah. so we have to go. <laughs> we're off to the pool. But thank you so much for joining us today. Seriously, yeah. thank you so much. Thanks, Craig. My pleasure. Hey, listen, I have an idea. Next time I'm coming down to Phoenix, and we're going to do it right by poolside. 
Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. We're Drinks are in. on us if you do. <laughs> all right. Bye, you, Craig. Craig. Thank Thanks, you. Craig. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks again to Craig Button for joining us. He does tremendous work. He's so dialed in to the, the prospect scene. And you can follow him on Twitter at Craig J. Button and follow all his work at TSN. He just is so knowledgeable. So. Yeah, that was Weird. fantastic. I mean, yeah, amazing. It's but amazing. It, the the big thing for me, the biggest takeaway from all of this time today, as again, is underline underscore bold faced hope <laughs> for Coyotes fans, and and that's I know in I June. Think, in know, June's faster on the corner. That's all we can hope for. We take clips from our show, and I just want to take the clip where he says, "If you can get Gunther on a line with Logan Cooley, oh boy, yeah, like we need to just clip that." You want to talk about hope? Didn't you just like, picture that in your mind? Right yes. Now? Oh as soon as he God. said, it, I was like, huh. oh. <laughs> "Okay, who's on the left side?" It's, it's almost the top line. It's almost not fair. It's almost, and I hate to say this, it's how the hell are the Coyotes going to screw this? No, up? because <laughs> you finally see something. Oh my God, that's like it's Pasternak, it's Bergeron, it's Bergeron Marchand, it's it's all these tandems, Kane and Debrincat, it's. That's how these teams are winning with these tandems of, yeah. of great players. And we're this close as an Arizona hockey fan to having Cooley and Gunther. Cooley and Gunther. And a tandem that you can go, mm. oh, shit. Can you yeah. imagine five, six, seven years from now, their third or fourth year together? Yeah. And that's, I know I'm jumping the gun. I get it. This is how you win cups, is you get two high draft picks that pan out, that play together, that grow together. I know... Staying way over my skis here, but that's how you do it. Not saying that's what's going to happen here, but that's how other teams have won cups. Okay, wheel of fantasy moment. The year is 2025. Logan Cooley centers a line with Dylan Gunther and Clayton Keller. And the Coyotes are heavy favorites going into their home opener against the Vegas Golden Knights who have completely fallen off the map. Alas. Is that their second line? Because Austin Matthews is centering the first line. <laughs> Wait, but where's wow. Bedard in there? We need Bedard in there, too. Bedard's in there. No, they decided to play him on the wing. Bedard's on the wing. We have no room up the middle of no, the ice anymore. Yeah, too deep up the middle. Too many centers, God forbid. <laughs> well, hopefully that will come true in the year 2025. Uh, but for now, in the year 2022, the Coyotes are not in the playoffs. And Look at you teeing up the center. Don't, don't bet on don't it. Don't bet on it. Don't bet on it, but you can bet on the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs and anything else you want on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, including the Western Hockey League playoffs, which was our pick of the week last week. And Dylan Gunther's Edmonton Oil Kings continue to have success in the postseason. So if you want to bet on that or anything else, you can do so. At the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and this week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. And right now, all customers, not just new customers, can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, that's 21 and over. Arizona only gambling problem. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for more details. All right. Well, that was fun. And, and I guess this is where we said back last the September, October, when we started this whole venture with PHNX, this is what we've been gearing up for this whole time. Part of the rebuild is the draft. And we wanted to make sure not just the three of us, but Coyote fans here in the desert got to know some of the names and some of the players that are going to be involved in the draft. I will say this. 
This is the most prepared I have been for a draft <laughs> in my life. Like, I'm, I know more names, and I granted I mispronounced them, and I said a center was a wing. Okay, <laughs> sorry. But I'm more prepared for this draft than any other draft in history. Yeah. I'm, so I, I'm excited about I'm it. I'm really excited about it. And um, I don't know. Just I can't. Now we've had two. Now that ever since the Coyotes have gotten the third pick and we've had Corey Promen and Craig Button on, both Corey and Craig said that they think Logan Cooley is going to be the Arizona Coyotes pick. <sighs> It's exciting. So to think it's about really that exciting way. to think about. And if you haven't read mm. Craig's story on gophnx.com, he talked to Logan Cooley, talked to some of his coaches as well. If you haven't had the chance to check that out, you should do so at gophnx.com. And Craig's monthly mailbag was posted today. Something to do with scorpions. Last month it was morning doves. This month it was scorpions. <laughs> I haven't had the chance to read it yet, but I will because you got some great questions on Twitter and in the members only Discord. So if you want to have access to those stories and also access to the members only Discord, become a member today at gophnext.com and check out the PHNX locker as well. Some great stuff in there, shirts and hats and some other clothing items coming soon. Just saying. Mm. What? A little tease that we yeah. I'll show you after the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't get, we're on a need to know basis. I know. Yeah. PD, so. I know. Okay. That's all um, it is. It was probably on some kind of internet thing, and I don't know that. You internet show me. thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. piece of paper. No, I have it's, Fax it's, it to it's me. a physical item. I Fax it to me. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Oh. Any final notes from um, from today? Can no, save I mean, the rest for tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We'll talk. We're about, doing it again tomorrow. Well, we're, we're doing we're, an we audio do it every day, yeah. buddy. <sighs> Schedule every weekday. Anyway, audio on Thursday. Yeah, we can talk World Championship. And we'll talk the Prosvitan extension. extension. We'll talk all that tomorrow. But one thing we should promo is something that posted on the uh, GoPHNX site this morning at Cheerstead Sussel. Oh yes. Oh yeah. The story. Part three of the story. Episode three. It's the final part the final for now. Episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the final episode for now because the story is not over. It is ever-evolving. Uh, episode three of the story, which is this first series, is the story of the coyotes and wandering the desert is what it's called. And I can't think of a more appropriate name because that is what this team has done and continues to do. Um, so check that out. Subscribe to the story wherever you get your podcasts and um, follow Cheers on Twitter. It, it was an amazing, amazing story. I cannot wait to listen to part Yeah, three. some really, really frank interviews on this last part of it um, with Glendale City Manager Kevin Phelps with Julie Frisoni. Coyotes fans probably remember that name. There's some really good stuff on this episode. Give it a listen. Yep, absolutely. I'm excited. All right. Any final thoughts? I'm ready. I'm good. Let's All start right. prepping for tomorrow. Yep. Lunch is here. Yes. Lunch. Yes. We're going to go <laughs> to the pool. Yeah, go to the side. pool. Um, thank you all so much for watching. Be sure to like and subscribe and leave us a review wherever <laughs> you get your podcast. Andrew's asking, has Craig has been working Craig out? Been working out? What? Why, why are you laughing? No, but first of all, <laughs> thank how you, the Andrew. hell could you tell from that view? Like, what, really? I think he's looking at my pipes, Petey. Craig's <laughs> <laughs> been working out. Oh, oh, fighting Lord. with Sean for the most fit in the office. <laughs> yeah, except for this hip. Exactly. As soon as I get the hip replacement, buddy, we'll just see me chase you down. <laughs> we'll have to do some competitions in the summer oh, after oh, that. Um, thank you so much for watching, everyone. Audio episode tomorrow. We'll be back live on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Friday at 11 a.m. We're getting close to ha me having to eat fake maple syrup. Let's see. We are still 30 followers away. Uh oh, so. you got to do something about that. We need to make that happen by next week. We need to know that that's in the bank. Yes. Because, you know, unlike other members of this show, I trust that you'll pay your debt. I know. 
PD I did. got an idea. We're going to talk about it after show. I got to say something okay. about the dance. Well, follow us on Twitter. We're 30 away at PHNX underscore coyotes. Everyone, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.